0: Man. Anybody ever seen this show, and I don't even know if it's on TV anymore, Undercover Boss? Anybody remember, or is that show still on? Is it still on? All right. So, so There's still a couple of people that are watching that? So um, I think I've only, I only, it's, I don't know how many years it's been on, but I think I've seen it a couple of times, but I think the very first one was, um, so here's the premise for those of you who haven't seen the show. There is um, some, it's usually some uh, founder, owner, CEO of some um, corporation or business who um, disguises himself as one of the employees of the company, and then for a, a set amount of time, for a week or so, he is employed by the company, and he actually hangs out with the employees in different um, uh, parts of the company and gets a first Hand view of what's going on in the business, and of course, the the whole premise of the show is supposedly—I'm not quite sure if I buy it—but supposedly nobody knows who he is, and um, and so you know they catch all kinds of things going on. You know have, they have you know really embarrassing conversations with the CEO. You know they're you know there's. You know they're not doing their job right, and you're you're kind of giggling because the CEO is watching. Oh, he caught him, you know. And and then he and then he also or she he or she depending on the boss um, also observes really exemplary behavior. Uh, really um, finds these wonderful employees that are doing a great job, um, despite the fact that they don't they don't know that the the person that pays their their paycheck or that. Um, cares about their work is actually watching them the undercover boss the first one I remember watching was the boss of the waste management uh, company you know the the people that move the porta potties all around and stuff and so you know he 's out there slish, sw- you know sloshing around with uh, you know the stuff that porta potties carry and um, it 's doing all this work and he 's grossed out by what employees have to do at one point he goes. Do you really do that? (laughs) You know, and you're you're thinking, yeah, you're the one that owns this company. That's what they do, you know. They're they're moving poop and pee around for you, you know. And uh, quite an experience, uh, the undercover boss. And at the end of the show, so after that week or whatever, he, you know, comes back to, he or she comes back to their normal three-piece suit, uh, you know, high-flying life. And they invite the employees in. And, you know, they have that moment of, oh, my gosh, you're the, I I, I can't believe it, oh, no, what, you know, kind of one of those moments, you know, like, what did I say, what did I do, you know, uh, the the day of reckoning, you know, did I, did I perform well or not? And then, of course, he gives out, he or she gives out their accolades, their raises, their bonuses, free trips, yachts, etc., you know. We, 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 we don't normally see, you know, the, the bad players, the bad players, you know, get the peanuts or the, the pink slip, you know, a couple of weeks after the show's over. Well, it hit me this week that as we are in this season of Advent, um, we are reminded of one of the ways in which, which um, God describes Jesus. He describes Jesus as Emmanuel, and Emmanuel means God with us, uh, Isaiah seven fourteen, a prophetic scripture that t- declared that there would be a day coming when Emmanuel, God, would be with us. Said this: Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. God became man. Um, to be among us. Look at it in the New Testament uh, passage of Scripture in Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. It, it shares, it shares this, this truth with us in, in a way maybe that we could understand. It says this, though he was God, Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal 's death on a cross. so we have we had in some form or fashion the undercover boss, but it turns out really different than the show in a number of ways. I had this thought uh, when I was thinking about it. Um, uh, you know, when Jesus came as our boss or as our creator, he came not to kind of get a first-hand view of what was going on in our lives. It was like, man, I, what guys, what's going on down there? I don't know. Why don't you dress up like one of them and figure out what's happening? You know, get on the ground and see what's going on with them. You know, the reality is, is that God, before he came as the undercover boss, already knew what was going on. Amen? It wasn't a surprise, you know, that someone wasn't emptying out all the urinals like they were supposed to and was taking a smoke break instead. God, before He came, before Christ came into this world, already knew everything about this world. He he knew the pain, suffering, death, shame, wickedness of our world. He knew the joys and delights of our world. He knew what He was getting Himself into before He came. The other interesting thing, the difference between Emmanuel and the undercover boss is that Jesus not only knew what he was getting into, but he wasn't coming to be undercover, ultimately. He came to gloriously reveal who he was. And he didn't come just to reward those who were doing good and to punish those who were doing wrong. We read in the baby dedication earlier that it said God so loved all the world that he gave his one and only son. The great thing is, is that at the day of, of, of revelation, we can, if we respond this morning, have, a, have a, a, an assurance of what that interaction is going to be like. Because not one of us, no matter how we've lived or wh- what we've done or what we haven't done, not one of us is at a disadvantage at the cross. But Jesus has offered his salvation and his hope to every single one of us. He has offered us a reward if we want to receive it by believing. Isn't that awesome? So I had this thought. I'm building a home. So I'm building a home, a beautiful, huge home. uh, For me, you know, like in this, on a lake, in a a beautifully uh, countryside location, just as awesome. That would be my, you know, that would be my home. And I'm building it for my beautiful, precious family. Those, those dear family members that I love. But I'm also going to invite a lot of other people to come into my home. And I decide that I'm sending out a list. And this is what the list looks like. I would like to come live at my beautiful, wonderful home with my precious family. I would like Jimmy the murderer. I'm going to send out an invitation to Jimmy the murderer. Sally the adulterer. Steve the liar. I'd I'd like, uh, let's see here, I'd like the swindler to come too, you know. Sam the swindler, send him. I'd like him to live with me. I'd like every person with every kind of sinful disposition and wickedness, I'd like to give them an invitation to come and be with me in my home. It says that those he foreknew He knew you in everything about you, however you would describe your brokenness. However you would describe your goodness and your attempts at being good. Everything that is about you, he foreknew you in me and he predestined us to be with him if we so choose. Isn't that awesome? Emmanuel, undercover boss, comes... And the last thing is, I'd say, in in that analogy, and we're going to move forward, is that what always got me about that show is that he came or she came, but after a week, (laughs) it got out of there. It's like, you know, man, I, I had to wash a couple of toilets. I had to flip a couple of burgers. Well, Jesus didn't just come to wash a couple of toilets or flip a couple of burgers. But when the Creator... Of all the universe, the Lord of lords and the King of kings became Emmanuel. He took upon himself every bit of shame, rejection, torture, and ultimately death for you and I. The great CEO in heaven, the one that gets to wear the tie and and sit behind the mahogany desk and fly in the jets and whatever that picture is of that undercover boss. The place of position. The God of eternity. The God of heaven. The God who is perfect, will always be perfect, the God who had perfect community, had a perfect life, it said that He stepped out of that world and He came and He lived among us, but not just for a week or two weeks, but He lived among us to the point of living all the way to death so that we might have not just a better job, not just our college education paid for, or a nice something in our backyard or in our driveway. But so that we could have freedom and deliverance in eternity with this loving God and Savior. Isn't that cool? Turn to somebody and say, God's cool. God is awesome, however you would say it. God is wonderful, fantastic. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 9, 6 says it this way, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Real quickly, we're going to look at those descriptions. But what I want to say to you as we look at the description of who God is and who He has revealed Himself to be among us, is that we can believe this morning that this God is with us today. Amen? My question to you right now before we go further, for those of you who are who are focused in, awesome for those of you who are not focused in, focus on here real quickly. Do you believe that God is alive and that He is among us? See, the the promise of Emmanuel is not that He just came in a point in time in history. The promise of Emmanuel is that God is with us forever. Present, here, now, and forever evermore. So that when we sit in these chairs and we sing this music and we do this thing we call church or we leave this building and we do that thing called walking um, in this world hopefully with Christ or if you're not sure if you believe in Jesus apart from Christ but as we do that thing whether we believe or not God is with us. And so that when we declare this morning who he is He is this whether we receive it or not, but if we receive it, what a joy, what a revelation we get to embrace this morning. Okay, I'm going to get excited. He is the wonderful, wonderful Counselor. God, Emmanuel, came to be with us, and one of the ways he describes himself is that he is the wonderful Counselor. For those of you who are married, say amen. That God is your spouse's wonderful counselor. Because there are times when I am not. A wonderful counselor according to my wife. For those of you who are parent, for those of you who are children, praise God that he is a wonderful counselor that therefore since we have a great high priest who's gone through heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we Do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. But just remember, the word tempted means what it means, tempted. Which means if he wasn't tempted, it's not temptation. Right? He was human, and he was tempted by the struggles and the trials that allure us, every place of weakness in your life, that temptation, which hopefully you are more and more having the grace and the power to access to not give in, but even in those places where you give in and you sin, Jesus was tempted in that way, it says. He understands, but he had no sin. He did not give in to the temptation. So therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. Help, grace to help us in our time of need, in this season and beyond this season, oftentimes in this season. Because of the pain and the struggle in our own life, and when we see others celebrating and rejoicing, even in services like this, these are hard for some of us because of what we carry into the room. Some of us with the pain that's in our lives, we think that the best way we can deal with it is to avoid it. So sometimes we don't show up to these services. Sometimes we kind of disappear from Christmas altogether or we disappear from life because we don't want to face the pain. But the promise that we have from Jesus is not only can we face the pain, but he is the counselor and the healer that can meet us in the pain. Deliver us and give us hope. David and Caleb were, Sharing that testimony this morning. In the place of pain, David and Shash said we're going to run into Jesus' arms. We're going to embrace the wonderful counselor and find comfort and help in our time of need. Not only is he a wonderful counselor, but he's also what? A mighty God. Luke 4 verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. This is is what Jesus is saying of himself. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. to To release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Mighty God. Mighty God. Now, when this, when this um, uh, scripture was proclaimed, the very first thing that people would have thought about when they were thinking about the Messiah was that this mighty God was going to come back militarily and conquer physical enemies in the land and establish <clears throat> dominion and rule on earth. A mighty warrior and God is a mighty warrior. There's no weapon forged against you or me that God has not conquered. There is no demonic force or no no principality that exalts itself, itself up against God that God doesn't win or defeat. That is true about God. But as we live today, God is not talking about coming and establishing some military dominance over some portion or in some part of the world and becoming the king of the, of the world in that way the mighty God that we experience right now is the God of deliverance, is the God of freedom, is the God of victory over our sin, victory over our bondage, victory over what is defeating us, we can turn to that God and say, God, would you be the one who defeats my enemies? Whether it's sickness, whether it's depression, whether it's hopelessness, despair, God is mighty. He counsels you. He understands you. He sympathizes with you. He walks with you through the trial. But he also delivers you from the chains. If you... Okay, so I'm, I'm going to go for it here. If you have been delivered and set free... Don't do anything yet because I'm going to give you a little... I'm going to help you do this right... If you have been delivered, set free, forgiven, overwhelmed by the mightiness of God in your life, when I count to three, I want you to give me whatever amen is that equals that deliverance, okay? It's legal. For all you introverts in the room, this is one time you can shout, and it's okay, okay? Because we're going to do it on three, so everybody's going to do it at the same time. Now, if all of you don't, and you leave that one introvert alone who goes, "Hey, oh, I knew I was going to get trapped. You're in trouble. Okay? We're going to all do this together. But if you have been delivered, set free, released from bondage, forgiven of immense sin, and been helped by the mighty God, on the count of three, say Amen in proportion to that gift. One, two, three. Amen. Yes. Come on. For you extroverts who want to do it again, do it after the service. All right. <clears throat> mighty God. Sorry. Did we, did we scare somebody? We don't know. He might say an amen. Amen. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. No fear, no fear in God, but sonship and daughtership. The everlasting Father. For you do not receive, Romans 8 says, a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. So we've been understood, we've been delivered, and you are now no longer a slave to fear. But you have received through Christ Jesus... When you put your faith in Jesus and the work that he did for you on the cross, you receive the spirit of sonship and daughtership. And by him we cry out Abba, which is daddy, which is an affectionate, familiar term. However you, Papa, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children then we're also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. When Emmanuel revealed Himself to us, Jesus, He came and He is with us forever. He is our Counselor, He is our Mighty God, and He is our Everlasting Father. Now, the hard thing about preaching this message as we go on in society is that there are very... Fewer and fewer great examples of what awesome fathers are. And so when we sit in this room and we say this, it's almost like it goes, there's like a blank stare. What does that mean? I don't even know if I want a father. But when we understand what a good father is like then we would be celebrating a good father is one who when that baby is born says this is my child and nobody's going to lay a hand on him This is my child of whom I love and I'll do whatever I can to bless and encourage and to protect and to nurture and to care for and I want that son or daughter in my home forever This is my son This is my daughter I'm jealous them. That is the Father in heaven. For those of us, or you, who have a distorted image of who God is because of the Father that you have, if that is you, I want you to bless and honor the Father in this earth that you have, but move them aside in your mind for a minute, And I want you to take a journey. Would you promise me that you take a journey in Scripture the next week and you would look at every passage of Scripture that talks about God being good and being a Father and everything that you can do to figure out what kind of Father God really is and embrace that in your life. One of the transforming teachings in my life when I was really starting to walk with God was this concept of God's Father heart for me. And I remember hearing this teaching about how good and, and unconditional His love was for me and how He didn't treat me as my sins deserved and how He, he, he was a provider and a protector, and et cetera, et cetera. And I was so overwhelmed that I was in a group of about 13 people and I was a cool 21-year-old. And I just fell on my knees and I started sobbing. Because I had no idea, the revelation of God so overwhelming, I had no idea that I could feel so free and accepted by God who is a father like that. Are you carrying shame? you carrying fear? Are you performing for God because you feel like you've got to be good enough for him to like you? All of those things are lies from the pit of hell. You don't have to perform for God you don't have to walk in any shame. You don't have to walk in shame for the sin that you just committed before you came to church. He's not here looking for you to beg for penance. He's wanting you here to accept and receive His forgiveness and His grace. Wonderful Father, or everlasting Father. He's not, the last part of that is He's not leaving. Those of you who have lost fathers, this is a real hard one to understand because we so much put God in the context of our parents, but God is not leaving. He's always with us in this way. The Prince of Peace, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He not only sets us free. He not only understands. He not only continually covers us as a father. But he brings peace. He brings peace in difficult times. As a matter of fact, Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about that. So I'm not going to talk about that much today. But you come back Christmas Eve. And you'll hear about the joy and peace that we find in troubling times. But he is the prince of peace. And lastly... He is the one who forever rules and reigns. Philippians 2 says this, Therefore God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I'd like to end in, with this thought. God has done all the work for us. He saw ahead of time, before He came, how wicked and rebellious our hearts in this world is, and He came. He emptied Himself of His heavenly form to be born of a woman, and He lived on this earth for thirty-three years. And at the end of His, throughout His life, He was rejected and ridiculed at times. But at the end of His life. He suffered and died for you and me. It says that the power of God raised him from the dead. He came back to life. He conquered sin and death. And he ascended into heaven. And it says of his position right now that he sits at the right hand of God. And it says at the end of time all things will be placed under his feet. But he came and died. He lived, was tempted, overcame it, was perfect in his living, so that he could be a perfect sacrifice in his dying. And he paid every debt that you and I owe. If Jesus hadn't come, you should be counting your good deeds and your bad deeds. Keeping a record and sweating and hoping, oh, I hope I'm good enough. I hope I'm not too bad. But Jesus canceled that obligation. Isn't that good? He canceled that obligation. And all he requires of you and me is not to go out and do a few more good things or to quit doing a few bad things. All he requires of you and me is to put our faith in what he, who he is and what he's done for you. But there will come a day, as he rules and reigns forever, there will come a day when he will come back and he will say, This world is over, the way that we're living is over, and I'm here to to set up judgment, and I'm here to decide who is with me and who is against me. And there will come a day when he will decide, and the only thing that will matter is whether or not you put your faith in Jesus here on this earth. So there is a reckoning, but he's already done all the work for you. Isn't it sad that even though Emmanuel has come, and he is a wonderful counselor, he's Uh, an everlasting Father. He is a mighty God. He is a Prince of Peace. That even though He's so wonderful and that He's done everything for us and that He has given Himself completely for you and me and He has offered humbly an invitation to be with Him and to know Him forever and all we have to do is believe that there will be a day at the end of all time where there will be millions of people who will stand before Jesus and say, you know what, I never... I didn't want it. I didn't think I needed you. Or I didn't think I didn't really believe in you. Or I didn't really want to submit to you. I don't want what you have for me. Isn't that amazing? Praise God that today that doesn't have to be the day for you. But if you're in this room, for those of us who have already shouted hallelujah, I believe that part of that hallelujah was that there was a day in each one of those hallelujah lives where you came face to face with a Jesus that's the savior of your life. But for those of you who don't have a, an amen in your spirit, you can have an amen today so that you don't have an oh my on that day. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you're the Emmanuel, that you are the God with us, That You not only lived here on earth, but You live by Your Spirit here with us today. And I pray for some amens in this room. I pray, God, that we would all, every single one of us, visitors to long-term members of this church across the board, that all of us would be able to say, on that day, amen. Amen. Praise you, God. Thank you, God, that you were the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. You were and you are and you forever will be in my life, that God. So, Lord Jesus, would you... Would you do that work in all of us today? Would you do that work of worship and praise? But if there's anybody in this room who it's all coming together for right now, it's all starting to make sense. You've opened the clouds. You've removed the fog. And all it would take is some courage and some humility to bend their knee before you, their Lord and Savior. Would you give them the courage to do that? they would know that they don't have to walk into your presence with shame. They don't have to walk into your presence with fear. They don't have to bring a lot of good works or the absence of bad works into your presence. They just have to come into your presence and bend their knee and to acknowledge what you've done for them. If you are that person in this room as we're praying, I just want to pray a prayer with you right now. And really the prayer that I pray is really doesn't matter. It's the prayer that you pray in your heart that matters. But if you would pray in your heart, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you are my Emmanuel, that you are with me. Jesus, I believe that you were the perfect right sacrifice for me, and thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying for my sin and rebellion. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, into my life, and to take over. I'm tired of leading. I want you to lead. Jesus, would you lead? Would you bring deliverance? Would you bring healing? Would you bring hope? Would you bring peace to my life? I need you trust you, I confess that Jesus, you are the Lord and Savior, and you're my Lord.